0: You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. Good morning. It is good to be with you. And if this is your first time with us, um, just honored, uh, uh, my name is Dustin, one of the pastors here, just honored That you're here, and our prayer for you is that God would do something fresh and new in you today. As a matter of fact, one of the callings on my life that's very, very clear from God is that my job, I feel like He has kind of spoken to me, is to both pray for and prepare for revival, both personally and then corporately. And so I don't want to just pray for that. I need to prepare for that. How do I prepare for that in my heart, in my mind, uh, as a congregation? How do I prepare for that as a staff? And so really, that's the heartbeat of this series that we're going into called Awaken. And and I don't know if you've been paying attention or if you've seen some of the, the signs of the time, but there is a fresh move of God taking place in the United States right now. And some of y'all are watching CNN and Fox News, and you're like, what is he talking about? Well, it's not going to be on there, okay? It ain't going to be on there. But I promise you, it's taking place. And, And there's just three, just small, there's so many things, but one of them is this thing called He Gets Us Campaign. The He Gets Us Campaign, maybe you saw these commercials during the Super Bowl. And it didn't start in the Super Bowl, but it got a lot of attention in the Super Bowl. And really what they're doing is the he in that statement is Jesus. And they're just putting a big spotlight on the name and the fame of Jesus. And then they're pointing to local churches for people that are more interested in Jesus. And then just recently, the movie, The Jesus Revolution, came out. And this is, if you've not seen it, this is a movie that really talks about the Jesus movement, which took place in the 60s and the 70s. where where so many people came to faith. And it started in Southern California and it just kind of blew up from there. And then even more recent is the Asbury Revival. This has been absolutely incredible to follow and watch on February 8th at Asbury University in a town called Wilmore, Kentucky. Town has 6,000 people in it. And there was this service that started, uh, a chapel service It started on the 8th And when it was supposed to end, it didn't end. It just extended a little bit longer. Well, that little bit longer lasted 17 days and nights that they just worshiped around the clock. They preached, they worshiped, they confessed sin. They did so many things to honor God. And and I don't think that it ended. As a matter of fact, I know it didn't end after the 17th day. It just changed course. They said that they went from a come and see phase to a go and tell phase on day seventeen. They said on a conservative number, there were over 50,000 people from around the world that came to that small town to just get a glimpse of what God is doing. There are over 250 different colleges represented from people coming from all around the US and and around the world, literally college students coming, hearing and seeing what's taking place and then taking that to their college campus. And it is still going on right now. And my job is, I don't wanna pray, God, come and get on my agenda. God, come and get on my agenda. I wanna say, God, what's your agenda? And can we get on that? That's my prayer. And it seems like God's agenda right now is revival. And that's what God's up to. I want to get in on that. And that's why this series called Awaken, that's what this whole series is about. As a matter of fact, it's called Awaken Volume 2. And the reason it's called Awaken Volume 2 is some of you may think, man, this series sounds a little bit familiar. Well, I did do this series in July 2021. Sadly, this was a very, very difficult time for our church. Really, really difficult time. We had staff and family that we love seriously hospitalized and, and, and even worse with COVID. So we ended up shutting down in, that, in almost the entire month of July that year. And so I did this series online, but it didn't get the traction. It didn't, I didn't feel like we were able to lean into it the way we want. And so some of you are like, are you going to preach the same message and just take a whole month off? No, none of these messages are the same. They're going to be completely new. But it's going to be under the same umbrella that we are leaning in. We're asking God for an awakening. And really the umbrella that we're coming under is kind of this guy by the name of Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts in 1904 and 1905, he was one of the leaders of the great Welsh revival. Saw over 100,000 people give their lives to Jesus in six months. Absolutely incredible. And one of the things that he preached to kind of initiate or kind of spark that kind of took place, this revival, he says, four things take place typically when revival starts. He said, the first one is this. He says, revival starts when people are hungry, when people are hungry and thirsty for more God. Revival continues when we confess known sin. Then the third one was when we obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And the fourth one is when we publicly profess Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do is we're just going to look at each one of those. Each week, we're going to look at one of those. Today, we're going to talk about how do we hunger and thirst for more God. And I'm going to give you two very simple ways that we can hunger and thirst for more of God in a way that postures and positions us to be prepared for a fresh awakening. Amen. And what you'll see is each week, we have this graph, each week they kind of lean on itself. So when you and I, when we hunger and thirst for more of God, we get into the presence of God. And when you and I get in the presence of God, there's only really two reactions. The first one is like, oh my goodness, he is absolutely incredible. He is majestic. And we are in awe and wonder. That's the first response. The second response when we come face to face with God is he is so incredible and I am so sinful. You see, when we get in the presence of God, we realize how incredible he is and yet how our depravity is so real because we're in the face to face with the God. And when we realize that, it leads to confession. And when we confess sin, that is a healthy and good thing. And the more that we confess sin, it's kind of like taking uh, the spiritual earwax out so that you could hear the voice of God more. When we confess sin, we're able to hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit more. And when we sit at the feet of Jesus and confess sin, not only can we hear the Holy Spirit more, we're even more uh, courageous and bold in our faith. And any time that we follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit, it always will eventually lead to us publicly proclaiming Christ. And so it's just this cycle that we go through, and that's what we're going to walk through today. The verse that I want to challenge us as a church to memorize or just lean in on, meditate on this series is Psalm uh, Psalm 119, 88. It says this, revive me according to your loving kindness. It's really important that we understand a couple things with this. What this verse is saying is revival is not a self-help self-made process. God is in charge of reviving us. God, would you revive me? Why? According to your loving kindness, because you are so good. Not that we deserve it. Not that we can demand it. Not that I can calculate it. But God, in your kindness, in your graciousness, would you revive me again? Would you do something fresh and new in me again by your loving kindness? Kindness. And and the idea of revive is this idea that we can in the Christian walk, I don't care how long you've been following Jesus, there are highs and there are lows. There are times that, man, we just want more of God. And then there are times that I'm not saying that we shun God, but times that maybe we become a little more apathetic towards God. Where instead of having a quiet time, we'll watch Sports Center or sleep in, or instead of going to church, we just we're too busy. And there are times that we could kind of plateau kind of flat line. And I don't think it's out of any evil reason other than we just get busy and then we get distracted. And so the idea is how can we come along and ask God to revive us? I don't know if this idea of being distracted resonates with you. It does with me. I I get distracted all the time mentally. I'll drive on I-4 and I will drive 30 minutes past my exit before I have a clue what's going on. None of y'all have that problem, okay. So, I, and listen, most of the time it happens when I'm on the phone, I'm just locked into a conversation and I have the Bluetooth and I'm just driving. I'm like, man, I hang up and I go, is this Georgia? Where am I? Like, what is going on? This happened to me recently. I was, uh, I was trying to fix uh, my, my toilet, one of the toilets in our house and one of the toilets in our house was having uh, this thing called a uh, ghost flushing. I don't know if y'all are familiar with this, Ghost flushing, when I first heard it, I thought there was a person breaking into our house, using the restroom, and then leaving. I didn't know what ghost flushing was. So I found out ghost flushing is just a problem with the toilet, did some research. Thank you, YouTube. Thank you, Google. Found out that there's a chance, there's a small chance I might be able to fix this. I've been called a lot of things in my life, plumber was never one of them. So I go to fix this. I, I I order this part. I literally have to look at it because I don't even know it is called a fill valve. Okay. So I guess you take the fill valve and you you attach it to the flux capacitor, and then that creates the spark plug, and then that attaches to the rotatory cover, and and then all of a sudden it works. And so if if I lost you, that's just that's some plumbing talk that kind of is our language. Okay. So I take this fill valve and the very. Very first thing you have to do to, to, to kind of accomplish this task, in order to take the old one out, the, the tank is full of water. You have to empty the tank. Now, listen, some of y'all are taking notes because you're having this problem, and you need to understand the difference between a tank and a bowl. I said you empty the tank. You don't touch the bowl. Okay? So I'm emptying the tank. I have a cup and and here's the toilet. Here's kind of the the bathtub. So I'm just taking the cup and, and kind of doing this and it should take about three minutes. The problem is I have my phone right there and I have my headphones in and I'm watching the Orlando Magic game. Come on. And so I'm paying attention to the magic and I'm just scooping and dumping. I'm scooping. I'm just kind of looking right here like this at the at the game, and it should take about three minutes, and then all of a sudden, now it's halftime, so now I'm not kind of just locked in, and now I kind of take the headphones out, and I look up, the tank is still full, it's been 25 minutes, this is a miracle, so I'm like, okay, what is going on, and then when I took my headphones out, I was able to hear a noise that I couldn't hear earlier, it was the noise of running water. And that's when I realized step one said this, turn off water. Men, let me, there's some confused men in here. These are instructions. Okay. And supposedly they come with everything we purchase. Okay. I did not even pay attention to these. I was just like automatic. I was just going. I was just doing my thing. Never turned off the water. So literally 25 minutes passes of me doing this, and I feel like we can do that in our everyday life. We just do the nine-to-five grind. We're not even paying attention. We're just cup in, cup out. We're just trying to get to our appointments, get to emails, cup in, cup out. And all of a sudden, 25 years can fly by, and we look around. We're like, man, we just coasted through life spiritually. And God's saying, I didn't create you to coast. I created you to do a new thing and you to bring an awakening to revive your spirit. And sometimes it takes a half time for us to relook at the instructions and say, hey, listen, somewhere you got off course, somewhere you got apathetic, somewhere you got distracted. And I believe God wants to do something fresh and new in all of us. Revival and an awakening isn't for just lost people. It's for the church. And it starts in the church. And so my prayer is, if you've been following Jesus longer than a week, that God would do something fresh and new in you. Some of you are like, well, what about the people that haven't been following Jesus for longer than a week? They're already on fire, I promise you. It's us that have been following for a little while that can get a little bit distracted. And so today I want to talk about a guy named Zacchaeus. If you have your Bible, you could open it up to Luke chapter 19. We're going to be in verse 1 through 10. If you're going to use one of the Bibles in uh, the seat back in front of you, it's page 902. If you're going to use your own Bible, it's on page 814. I have no idea, actually. I have no idea. If it is 814, praise the Lord. Okay. Just, just making sure you're paying attention. So Luke 19. If you don't have a Bible, it's, it's all good. We're going to kind of walk through this. If you don't have a Bible at all, you can take the Bible that's in the seat back in front of you. In Luke 19, at this point of Jesus' life and ministry, he's a really big deal. Everybody knows him. Everybody's uh, revering him. Everybody knows the miracles that he's, he's doing. So he's a big deal. And so he's coming into Jericho. He's coming down Main Street, Jericho. And I want you to picture like a parade taking place. And I don't know if you've ever been to the, the Disney parades, but man, the, the streets are packed. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of crowds and not everybody could see. And this guy, Zacchaeus, the Bible says he's short, so he couldn't see. So he runs ahead and, and he runs ahead. And, and we'll pick up on this verse. It says this, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, but Jesus, but Jesus was, uh, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And I want you to look at this, sycamore fig tree. Now, a sycamore fig tree is kind of like an oak tree. It's a really, really big tree, and it's got some figs on it. And instead of calling it a sycamore tree, this is what I want you to call it. A seek him more tree. Because that's what Zacchaeus was doing. Zacchaeus went and climbed a seek him more. He wanted to seek more of Jesus. And he went and climbed a seek him more tree, and Jesus comes by, and he stops at the tree. Jesus is walking, and he stops And he looks up. I want you to imagine when Jesus looks up, what is the crowd gonna do? They're gonna look up. And so now you have an entire town looking at Zacchaeus. Let me give you a backstory on Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is called the chief tax collector. Not a tax collector, a tax collector would have been bad enough. He's the chief, he's like the big dog tax collector. Anybody here like paying tax? No. Listen, if you work for the IRS, we love you. Okay? We love you. But you could take April 15th and you... I'm just kidding. Okay? Listen, we have it good. This is not... The way we pay taxes and handle it's different than what happened back then is the Romans would oppress okay, the Jewish people. I mean, like, with power, with force. I mean, it was just oppression. And then what they would do is they would grab a Jewish person and say, hey, why don't you take care of all the taxes for your people? So the the tax collector was kind of like a traitor to his own people. And not only would he do that for the Romans, he would then scam them, cheat them, and take some for himself. And this is the chief of that crowd. He was despised in his community. And the Bible says that he was very wealthy, and we know that he had power. So wealth and power. Listen, when you have wealth and power, when you get wealth and power from bad reasons and you use them on selfish motives, it's never good. Some of you are like, is wealth and power bad? Absolutely not. Not if you get it in a godly way and you use it for godly purposes. But that's not what was happening here. So Zacchaeus is despised. And Jesus comes and looks, and then we got this verse. It says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zac- Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home. Did y'all catch that? Jesus called him by name. You see, what was happening that day is there was a fresh move of God in Zacchaeus' life. There was an awakening there was a revival taking place personally with Zacchaeus. The problem is everybody didn't like how Jesus was moving. That, that was different than their expectations. They thought he was going to do something else. I got to imagine a lot of people in the crowd, when they saw Jesus looking up at Zacchaeus, they're like, here it is. He's going to call him out. He's going he's to punish him. He's going to ridicule him. And Jesus doesn't do any of that. And that disappoints the crowd. And they start murmuring they start complaining. You see, in their complaining, they missed the move of God. God didn't move the way they anticipated. And because of that, they missed the move of God. While they were complaining, you know what Zacchaeus was doing? Zacchaeus told Jesus, hey, listen, I'm going to take half of what I have and I'm going to give it to the poor. And then I'm going to pay back everybody I've cheated So he acknowledges that he cheated. Everybody I've cheated, I'm going to pay back four times the amount that I cheated them. And Jesus says this This is what he says that salvation has come to this man. And they missed it because they were murmuring while they were murmuring. There was a fresh move of God. Listen, there is a fresh move of God. And the temptation on the outside looking in is to murmur. Is to complain and say, well, that's not how I would have done it. That's not the way it should be done. Let me point this cross illustration out to you. You see, our our job, according to, to Jesus, maybe not our job, but one of the greatest commandments is to love the Lord your God, to, to love vertically. And then he said, the second is the same as the first, it's to love our neighbor like ourselves. And and when we get right with God and we get right with man, Jesus says, Salvation has come this home. You see, salvation isn't just about getting right with God. He says, now go get right with one another. And what some of us want to do in the American churches, we just want to get right with God and we want to ignore or bash or not even deal with the people around us. And God says, that's not the Christianity I'm coming to create. It's when you get right with me and get right with each other. And so he laid it all down, probably giving away all of his health and I love what Jesus did. Jesus didn't call him names, he called him by name. Some of us want to look at sinners and we want to call them names, and Jesus is saying, I'm not here to call you names, I'm here to call you by name. Let's go to dinner. Let's hang, let's hang out. You see, it's important for us to know that there was an invitation before the alteration. Jesus extended a hand before he extended advice. Some of us want to go around to people that don't know Jesus, and we want to tell them all the reasons why they're wrong, and we're not even interested in their name or their story. And Jesus had an invitation, and once there was an invitation, the alteration took place from the inside out. That's why we say around, you don't have to clean up before you show up. You show up, and Jesus will clean you up. Philippians 3, 7, and 8 says this, This is Paul talking after he met Jesus. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that that I can gain Christ." And some of you are like, man, how does somebody that has wealth and power just give it all away because he met Jesus? And when you meet Jesus, your priorities change. He says, "Oh, I, I can imagine him echoing the thoughts of Paul. It's like, man, I consider all this garbage. None of this matters anymore. It's not even fulfilling. You know what is fulfilling? Jesus. And some of y'all are like, are you telling me to give away everything I have? Are you telling me to, to do all this? I'm not telling you anything. But if God tells you that, don't withhold it. I don't know what, I'm not telling everybody to give everything away. Some of you, you don't need to sell your house. Some of you need to buy a bigger house and host a resident. I don't know what God, it is up to you and God to determine what it is and how it's going to fit His kingdom purpose. I'm just saying it no longer matters. It no longer has the same value over your life that it once did. You're no longer enslaved to it because you have a different Lord. His name is Jesus. So I want to give you two quick ways that we could seek Him more. The first one is this, climb a tree. I don't know how many of y'all like climbing trees when you're younger. I love climbing trees. Some of you are like, well, what do you mean by climb a tree? Do you mean actually climb a tree? Yes, actually go home and climb a tree and just talk to God there. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. That's weird. I don't know. This is not literal. Don't do that. Maybe you do that. I don't know. Be careful if you do. I'm just saying, if you do that, I don't think anything spiritual is going to happen. It'll just be funny. Um, the first thing I do want you to do though is climb a tree and you think, man, what does that mean? You see, Zacchaeus was willing to do something he never had done before so that he can get an experience in his life that he never had before. You see, Zacchaeus positioned himself physically somewhere so that his life can change spiritually somewhere. His physical presence allowed him to meet Jesus socially, personally, and spiritually. And so I need to ask you, when was the last time you did something radical for Jesus? When was the last time in front of an entire crowd you said, man, I don't care about these people. It's just, I'm going to do whatever it takes to seek more of God. And if that means I'm going to climb a tree and look like a fool in front of the whole town, I don't care because none of it matters compared to Jesus. And so the first thing I would say when we hunger and thirst for more God, when was the last time you climbed a tree? When was the last time you did, just took even a step? It doesn't even have to be radical. When was the last time you took a step towards Jesus? And what Zacchaeus is doing, he said, man, I'm not just taking a step. I'm gonna climb a tree because nothing else matters except me seeing this man named Jesus. And this is why I love, love, love being around new believers. New believers get this. New believers, man, they love this. And then once some of us have been a part of the church and following Jesus for a while, some of us have flatlined. And then sometimes what we can do in our marriage, man, at the beginning of the relationship, we are willing to do anything for her, anything for him. And then after a couple years years settling, we kind of flatline. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to revive us. He says, I want you to hunger for more. I want you to return to your first love. I want you to return to what it was like when you first met me, when you were willing to climb a tree just to get a view of me. Hunger and thirst for more God. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're like, man, I can never imagine. Why would anybody ever climb a tree to see Jesus? And I just want you to know, I'm so glad you're here. If you're like, man, that is crazy. Why wouldn't anybody give that much money away? I'm glad you're here. Let me explain to you why I think Zacchaeus did what he did. These are just some things I'm going to rattle off quickly that I believe uh, Zacchaeus knew. Zacchaeus by this time knew that Jesus cared for the marginalized. Matthew 25 says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. Zacchaeus was used to oppressing people. He saw somebody that used power to actually bless people, not oppress them. And I think that attracted him. Second thing I think Zacchaeus saw is Jesus offered Zacchaeus something he never had which was a good life, a satisfied life. John 10, 10, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. I don't think Zacchaeus ever had that invitation. The third thing is, is Jesus came to give Zacchaeus to seek and to save the lost. John 19, 10, the story ends, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I think Zacchaeus saw a sacrificial leader that he had never seen before. That echoed John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this to lay one's down life for one's friend. And you're thinking, well, this didn't, he didn't even die on the cross yet. How did he do that? When the most popular person, the most powerful person on the planet says, hey, why don't you and I hang out and everybody else despises you? That's him laying his life down for him. And I think he was blown away by that. The last one is this Jesus picked Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus picked him. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Listen, Jesus says the same thing to you today. Jesus picked you before you picked him. Maybe you haven't picked him yet. You just need to know Jesus already picked you before you're going to pick him today, tomorrow, whenever it is, he already chooses you. Not you if you do this, not you and, he just chooses you, period. He's crazy about you. And I think all of that, all of that wrapped up Zacchaeus and say, man, I want, I'm willing to do whatever. I'm willing to cash it all in. If I get a piece of that. So he climbed, he climbed a tree. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will draw near to you. Zacchaeus literally went out on a limb for Jesus and he left satisfied. Albert Einstein once said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. Some of us are expecting a fresh move of God, and we're doing the same thing every day. And so, you might be thinking, well, What do you mean, climb a tree? Really, another way of saying climb a tree, I'll say this mix it up. Do something different. Do, do something if you've never read the Bible, or if you stop reading the Bible, get back, read the Bible. If you, if you can come to Wednesdays at Prayer at 11, come to Wednesdays at Prayer at 11. If you've never gotten baptized, get baptized. If you've never fasted, maybe start fasting. If you've never joined a small group, join a small group. If you haven't been through Discover Your Journey, jump into Discover Your Journey. We just had our very first one this past Thursday, and it was awesome. Some of you are like, well, what is Discover Your Journey? It's a very brand new thing that we just launched to help disconnected people get connected to both God and each other. And we had a room full of people that are saying, hey, I want to get connected. Great, they're doing something different. They're going out on a limb. And I promise you, because of that, their life's going to be changed. Jump into Rooted. And and maybe you're in a small group. Have you thought about leading a small group? Maybe go on a mission trip. I don't know what it is, and I'm not trying to push these things. I'm just saying, mix it up. Do something different to get out on a limb so that God can do something different and new in you. Mix it up. Around here we say there's always a next step. When following Jesus, if you can't remember the last time you took a step towards Jesus, I would say, don't go another day without making a step towards Jesus. Second thing I want to tell you is, is this be a mystic, not a critic, be a mystic, not a critic. You see, there was a man that day that found Jesus. And when he found Jesus, there was a group of people murmuring. There was a mystic that day. And there were critics that day. The mystic found Jesus, the critics missed Jesus. Here's the difference, in my opinion. This is kind of how I define it. Mystics tend to focus on the beauty of God and everything, while critics seem to focus on the fall of man and everything. Leave this up for a minute. Listen to this. Mystics tend to look for the beauty of God, while critics seem to look for the fall of man. And here's what I know. Whatever you look for, you're going to find can I tell you how heartbroken I, I, I was sh- I'm, I've been shocked, and I haven't, I haven't even fully processed my shock the past month, how many critics have come out against the different revivals that are taking place around our nation? And y'all are like, well, that's what the world's supposed to do. Listen, I, I agree, but the critics weren't coming from the world. They were coming from the church. I was shocked how many critics are murmuring to a fresh move of God that he gets this campaign. Well, if they had that much money, they should have done this, this, and this with that. Really? Who are you to tell other people how to use their money? How do I know that God didn't tell them, hey, take the money you have and use it to make me famous across the entire world? I don't know. Who am I to judge? I'm not going to be an armchair critic and miss a move of God. I want to be a mystic and see the beauty of God in everything. The Jesus revolution, a lot of critics, a lot of murmuring. Well, why did they do this? I'm going to question the motives. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. The Asbury revival. Well, don't they have a life? Why do they just keep doing that? Don't they need to get to school? Don't they have jobs? All this murmuring from Christians and they are missing a move of God. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. The church, there's a fresh move of God and we can miss it. So, when I say that God has called me to pray and prepare for revival, I want to just prepare our church. Listen, if God allows us to experience revival, we cannot afford to be critics and miss it. We have to be mystics and behold the beauty of God. Now, listen, I'm not saying that leaders or organizations should ever be above criticism or accountability. That's not what I'm saying. That's nobody that I've heard has been critiquing sinful things. They've been critiquing preferences and they've been ugly and loud. I'm not suggesting that there shouldn't be accountability, but how it's done. We're called to carry the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, there was a move of God taking place in Acts. That The church was experiencing a fresh awakening. It was incredible. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees, they begin to murmur. They begin to murmur this fresh move of God. And then all of a sudden, one of them speaks up. And he says this in Acts 5, 39. And I love this. He says, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men and you will only find yourselves fighting against God. Not good. Church, we cannot, listen, we cannot stop an awakening. We can't, but we can miss it. We can't stop Jesus, but we can miss him. And what I don't want us to do is have a fresh awakening and you miss it. I can't think of anything sadder for a journey than for God to give a fresh sweeping over Central Florida and to us be murmuring and we miss him. Instead, may we be mystics and lean in and look for the beauty of God in everything and in every one. And I promise you, when you look for the beauty of God, you're gonna find it. You're going to find it. Here's my prayer for you. My closing prayer is this. If God allows us to experience an awakening, let us be the ones fanning the flame, not quenching the spirit. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, thank you. I'm here with a room full of Zacchaeus. Some of us are Zacchaeus before we met you and we're still relying on our power and our money. Some of us are Zacchaeus and we're just inquiring. We're still up in a tree. We're not sure about you. We just wanna check you out. Some of us are Zacchaeus and we're in the home and we're in the process of giving it all away and making you Lord of our life. And so God, I pray to thank you for this room full of Zacchaeus, to thank you for everyone online, Lake County. And thank you that you love us where we're at, that you don't call us names, but you call us by name. You don't offer shame, you offer redemption. And so God, would you help us to have the same spirit of Zacchaeus and Paul that nothing in this world can compare to just knowing you, that we just want more of you. And would you give us the courage to go out on a limb for you just to get a better view of you so that we don't miss what you wanna do in and through us. And then God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive us for the times that I've been more of a critic than a mystic? The times that maybe I've been judgmental of someone or something instead of encouraging that person? Would you forgive me? And would you protect us? Would you give us more of a a spirit of mysticism than criticism? Because you're here, you're moving and we just don't wanna miss you. We don't wanna miss you. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to JourneyChristian.com.